Hey, man. Phew. Back in the saddle. Is it... What day were you here last week? Wednesday? I or th- Thursday? I don't know. I think it was like 10 days. Was it 10 days ago? Yeah, maybe so. I think it was. Same... So last time you were you were loading up a load of Holstein dairy cows from the Hooterite colony. There were steers going. Oh, steers. Well, yeah, fed steers, big steers. This time, it's cows. So we'll see. Steers are very easy to haul compared to cows because the cows are, they've been, you know, milking for some years and they're tired and just used to kind of doing their routine. And when you take them out of that routine and you put them on a cow truck on a, going to be a pretty warm day, I think, still tomorrow. Yeah, it's just, it can be hectic. Ah, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's, I feel like they could be a podcast sponsor. The, the, the customers up there, just in the way that they are actually getting me over here, they're like paying the way for me to come record, essentially, <laughs> because, you know, I just keep bringing the truck over. It works out perfect. Park out on the street, come running over, and it's good, so. Yeah. Getting you warmed up for the fall run. Yeah. When's that going to fire out? I, I'm starting to get a few early calls. People starting to want to call their cows a little early. Mm. So I would say, you know, we're probably two, three weeks from getting, I think, I think about a week after Labor Day is when I expect. That's like my personal deadline to be all caught up, all done with my shop projects, trailers ready to go, trucks are all squared away. I don't know if I'm going to make the deadline or not. I got a long ways to go as far as shop work goes. Thanks to the NASCAR flow. See, well, I, I thought it was thanks to <clears throat> just under your Instagram, a lot of lake shots in the boat. That too. I thought it was. <laughs> that's true, man. True. <laughs> no, you guys, what? I'm just kidding. You <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta do that kind of stuff or else you can't make it through the rest. Yeah. But it's, it's coming quick. I, I had this thought. So last week, I I did something I haven't done since I was probably five years old, which was I was in a semi with mom and dad, both driving through the Black Hills of South Dakota. That hasn't happened in forever. So I had purchased, I'm trying to, trying to get the ranch a little more self-reliant not self-sufficient, but self-reliant as far as some of the the farming stuff we're trying to get into a little bit. So we're, we're, you know, tearing up these fields and trying to rotate some crops and we don't have a, a drill, they call it, or a seeder, a way to seed crops. We have essentially hired, hired the seed company to come spread it and just blow it on with these big blower trucks and having to work around their schedule. It's not always the best. So I'm trying to get some equipment to just have the ball in our court. When it's time to seed, let's go seed. So anyway, I found this seeder in Nebraska, purchased it online, sight unseen, looked decent, good enough to kind of get us going. And it's in Nebraska. Well, mom and dad also have a trip planned to go visit our little brother Weston down in Texas. And so I was like, hey guys, why don't I save you some miles and you can help me truck because I need to get back home. I need to do this trip really quick. It's like a 1700 mile circle. And so what we did was loaded mom and dad's vehicle on the back of my semi on the flatbed, drove from Montana through South Dakota, down into the kind of South Central Nebraska near Grand Island. And we found a John Deere dealership, unloaded the vehicle off the flatbed. They went on their way to Texas. I loaded the drill. 
came on back home. But the whole point of sharing this is that we left, we left Montana like at six in the evening. And I drove from, you know, five or six in the evening straight through till about four in the morning where we got to Rapid City and Rooster swapped me out. And I had a lot, I was just so tired the whole time. And I had some kind of, some thoughts about the fall run thinking this is going to be coming at me. <laughs> this is going to be my new, cause it was the same route. We always take across highway 212 and through the night and you're just trying to get to rapid city to take a nap. It was the exact same everything. And I had a few moments where I kind of a little faint at heart thinking, man, here it comes. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't, I mean, there's a lot of old guys that do the fall run. So like, I know I can do it. And once you get into it, you're rolling, but I'm, I'm kind of having a feel like, man, I wonder if I can still, I know I can still do it, but I had just had some moments where I was second guessing a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize that mom and dad had jumped in with you Yeah, and I had, I had called to ask them a question and mom said, Oh yeah, we just rolled with Jack. She, she told me what you just said. Mm-hmm. And I said, what did you think? I go, that's a little, probably a little different in that truck than when we used to do our family vacations in the cab over <laughs> like six kids, yeah, six kids in the cab over with that sleeper where you can't stand up. She goes, no, this is nice. You can stand up and in your truck now. We took the Kenworth. Yeah. So huge bunk. You can stand up and there's bunk beds in it. So she had the top bunk. Rooster had the bottom bunk. I had the driver's seat all night, but I, I do have to say one, I was, I was really proud of mom for being willing to like, yeah, let, yeah, let's do it. And two, old rooster still got it. I, he's never driven my Kenworth before. And he got right in late at night, early in the morning, I should say, whatever you want to call it. And he got right through the gears, just boop, 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 up and rolling. And he beat my fuel mileage by one point. I was running like whatever it was, eight three and when i woke up in the morning to take back over we were up to eight four and i was like rooster he just said, i still got it <laughs> little turkey <laughs> i haven't asked you about this rooster told me about it you have been trying to get this this drill for for planting seeds uh-huh. he said that you want to bid on an auction so mad and they pulled it out from under you yeah total rip walk, walk through that yeah so I've been, I, I have this website, Auction Time, you know, that I, I'm a big supporter, use it all the time. I bought a lot of equipment, a lot of trucks, trailers, just over the years. And uh, I spy this, it's this really nice 20 foot wide, and it's a little rare and undesirable because it's a three point attach cedar. Most people want a pull type cedar. This one, you have to hook it up to your three-point arms on the back of your tractor. So I recognize this and I'm like, hey, we don't do that much farming. I'm fine. I don't care if it's a three-point deal. So I'm like, this could be a good deal. And it was one of them like barn, like an actual literal barn find where the guy's like, guy bought it brand new. It's got 3,500 acres is all on it. And it's, it's like from the 90s. So, I mean, very little use. Been in a shed forever. Paint's beautiful. Everything looks great. So I, all right, let's go. So I bid on it. Boom, 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 boom. Auction ends. 1700 bucks. I'm the winner. And I'm like, boom, that's great. You know, I'll deal with the three-point. And it's a little wider than you want. I mean, it's pretty big for a three-point thing. But that's all right. So I'm all making my plans, ready for my trip. 
get an invoice from the auction company, getting the bank ready to wire the money over. And I get a phone call because I, I emailed the guy and was like, hey, I need all this, like push it through because we're leaving like tomorrow to go get this thing. It's in Iowa. And he calls me and he's like, hey, so the seller is refusing to sell. And I'm like, oh, huh. Well, that's, that's interesting because, you know, when you list an item on an auction and you don't put a reserve bid on the said piece of equipment, you know, it's kind of, and this is how I bought that, that Kenworth that I bought, right? Remember so, that? That guy was like, yeah, I got So anyone that doesn't know what a reserve bid is. Yeah. It's like a low, like I'll sell this, but it has to at least bring $2,000. If it doesn't bring 2,000, it's not going to sell. Essentially the lowest price that yeah, the, they're the willing. seller would willing to let it go for. So it's kind of this gray, like, well, it's not like a true auction. Cause sometimes the reserves are really high and you see the reserve and you kind of laugh and you're like, <laughs> Good oh, luck. Whatever. Yeah, good luck with that. And and so when I bought that Kenworth, the guy, I mean, he was like, yeah, my loss, your gain. You know, he stuck. He listed it. He didn't put a reserve on it and he went with it. So the auction company's like, yeah, sorry. And I'm like, at first I was like, oh, well, okay. And then I hang up the phone and I start to get a little upset about it. So I emailed the, the online auction. So the way it's set up is auction times a website. And then they have auction companies that are kind of their representatives, but they're independent. So Jackson auction service could list online auctions on their platform. Mm. And you realize all of a sudden when you start reading into their terms and conditions that the website basically is just like, Oh no, we're just kind of, we're just kind of here to help everybody along. We don't, we don't deal with any of that, (laughs) any of that. So I lodge a formal inquiry complaint, whatever you want to call it. And I even told the guy on the phone, I was like, hey, I, I need this. Like, we need it. We're, it's going to be time to seed soon. What does he want for it? Well, he's just not going to sell it. And I'm like, he, okay, prior to like half a day ago, he was going to sell it. So what does he want for it? Well, I'm, I, I don't know. And I'm like, well, let's get a deal done. Like, I'll, I'll give more. I expected to give way more than <laughs> 1700 Well, I don't know. I'm like, Talk to him. Call me back. Anyway, guy never called back. Just never heard from anybody. So I'm like, whatever. So I even looked up in Iowa what the typical auction rules are in Iowa. And they say in their state law, because I know in Iowa, you got to be all registered as an auctioneer and licensed and everything. Montana, you don't. And it said that unless it's expressly implied, it's always a reserve auction. Unless they specifically say, this is a no reserve auction. Mm. So it's a little tricky. And so basically Iowa says, yeah, no, unless you state it's absolute, you can come up with your own reserves on the fly. Oh, after you sold <laughs> after it. After you sell it. So there was really nothing to, and I'm like, what? I, I'm not gonna. Mm. So I found another one a week later, not in even close to the kind of shape that this one is and paid over twice what I did for the first one that I thought I had, but we're to the point this, this one had a few more options, little, it was set up a little better for us, but not in as good of shape. So kind of gave a little here, gained a little there and uh, we picked it up, but yeah, trucking with rooster and woo back through the black Hills. Mm. Haven't done that since our family vacation days to Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Dad was telling me about that and <laughs> I was, yeah, I was frustrated, but well, so now I got this new one and I, this, this new to us one. And 
I've ordered a bunch of parts for it and stuff. It needs to be spruced up a little bit. You guys didn't do uh, some fall planting? Yeah, I'm gonna gonna plant. So we just did the oats, and then we're gonna plant some Willow Creek winter wheat, which first time we've ever planted winter wheat for hay next year. Mm. It's kind of just thinking my brother should get a little bigger drill instead of you know the one that I have. Yeah, I have a brother here in Fairfield that has a really nice brand new no-till drill, but it's only eight eight feet wide. Yeah, something like that. Six six eight. So alas, here I am. Well, is this new one a 20 foot or two? No, it's 15. So it'll still cover some ground. Boy, 20 feet on a three point boy, that seems big. Yeah. And the spacing was wider than I wanted. It was 10 inch spacing. This, this one's eight, I think, seven and a half or eight. So it's good. It's all good. Just Well, I have a lot more questions and <laughs> comments about the, the oats and the wheat and, and all your planting, but... I'm going to tease. That's going to have to be in the trucker's friend. Trucker's friend, friend baby. Because this last, this last YouTube episode was all about that. And it just, yeah, it was so really I'm going to save it for that. Yeah, yeah. save it. A uh, couple follow-up things um, from our last episode. I talked about that truck driver who got hit with oh, that cocaine. Right. I have found her attorney. <laughs> you did? Uh-huh. <laughs> How are we doing? I've been detective working huh? <laughs> for the past week. I did find her. And I know her from somewhere and I cannot, it's been driving me crazy. I can't figure it out. No way. I found a picture of her. We know with her name and I've, I've met her somewhere. Was she out in the West? You thought maybe she was in Seattle or something? No, she's local. Okay. Yeah. But I, it's not that I've just seen her before. I've met her and I am going crazy. <laughs> like I carry, I carry around a picture of her on my phone now <laughs> and people that I might have met her in conjunction with him, like, hey, I, I just pull up and go, do you recognize this person? So far, no luck. Just a lot of weird looks. Uh-huh. But anyway, I, I did reach out to their to their office and I haven't heard back. I, I might have to make an in-person stop. And being local, there's a good chance we might get a live in-person maybe. Maybe. Maybe I, we'll have to go there and set up in their law office. Which is us. easy to do. Yeah. I would That'd be really cool. But I, I, did, I did leave message for her. I mean, I'm on her list of priorities. I know way down there. So I, I might just make an in-person appearance. I hope that you're not being put off because she's feeling out of her depth with this case and she doesn't know what to do. And so she has nothing to tell us. What is the breakthrough on the case? Is she just has no idea how these tra- van trailers are loaded. Yeah. And we give her some info. <laughs> Could be. Oh, huh. I do. I do know someone who's a prosecuting attorney. Oh. And I, I was talking to her about this okay. because I showed her the picture on the phone. <laughs> hey, do you know this? <laughs> that's how, literally, that's how it came is up. Is it really? <laughs> I just realized that that is literally how it, it came up with her. I, I said, hey, do you recognize this? And she didn't. But then I, I started talking to her and she just kind of went, huh? Her, well, of course, because she's, like I say, every one of these people are innocent. They haven't done it. And so, right. so her first thing is like, yeah, of course she did. As a, especially as a prosecutor. And yeah. I said, okay, so let's get beyond the, the fact that all of them are innocent. <laughs> <They're all> innocent. <laughs> let's get beyond that. Yeah. And like, listen to this story. Like, what would, what would you, what would you say a, a truck driver should do? And she goes, I have no idea. Really? She goes, just watch out for me though. Cause if it happens, <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> is the defender like a public defender or is it a private law office? No, it's a, it's a, it's a group of attorneys who are federal public defenders. Huh. 
Yeah. So. Okay. So my assumption is they get paid by the taxpayers. I wonder if you worked on her teeth in prison some years ago and she was inspired to protect all the innocent people in prison and she became a lawyer. I would say I want to hard know on that because no? the, the prison was only males. Uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> so. That's true. That's true. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, just to follow up on that, I'm still trying to chase that. So two mysteries. We got we to, gotta, one, figure out the mystery of getting connected. Two, the mystery of where are you connected to this lawyer from? Yeah. So now I'm a touch, a touch um, nervous that when I, when and if I ever do make contact with her and, and have a face-to-face meeting, she's going to immediately know. And I want to be like, that's embarrassing. My advice is do not pretend like you remember. Just straight up say, I don't know who you are. I, I mean, I should know. I feel like I should know, but don't, don't pretend because it, you'll just get in a bind. Yeah. We've, you know, we've, we've been down that, that path. Yeah. yeah. Second, I'm thrilled with my goats. Yeah. Yeah. I showed, you that, I showed you that, that video of, we had a, a pretty overgrown shelter belt. Overgrown is putting it very lightly. This thing is like Jungle Book. Well, so last I mean, year, the power company came through and was cutting trees around power lines, trimming around power lines. And they said, look, we can trim this or we can cut these trees down. And they were old trees that were starting to die. So I said, let's cut everything down that we can. You can trim everything else. That And the explosion of growth that has happened since then because the sunlight now is coming through or something. that's probably that's okay. probably what it is you know all the stumps now just have big massive growth out of all of them where they cut oh, them like off the trees are coming back because they didn't grind the stumps uh-huh. and so it's just this all this brushy explosion of an area of the property that just have not uh-huh. not happened in this year i turned those goats into it and it looks better than if i had gone through with trimmers and weed eaters and right it's crazy huh. how those, those goats cleaned everything up. So this, I, I wanted to touch on this. I've, I have talked to a number of people, I don't know, for the past couple of years who have been, dis, they've gotten goats thinking that was going to answer their weed problems. Okay. And they've been extremely disappointed. I've always heard that too. That's what I've always heard. Like, I've even heard like commercial people like actually travel their goats around yeah yeah, and like move them from place to place for people and goats will do that but goats preferred food is browsing so anything that's like head level and above so leaves brush that's absolutely what they prefer whenever i put my goats in a new area they're going for tree leaves really? anything low they can reach yeah that's way before they hit any weeds or grass Whereas sheep preferred food as forbs, which is broadly okay. essentially weeds and cattle is grass. So all three goats, sheep and cattle will eat all of those three categories, brush, browse, you know, brush, forbs or grass, but they each have their preference. Okay. So I tell people if, if you have a bunch of broadleaf weeds that you're trying to get rid of, get sheep because that's what they, that's what they like. Uh-huh. Goats will get to it, but <laughs> they're going to take gonna, a little while. They're going to prefer a lot of other things that you don't, you may not want them to eat. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So anyone like thinking about that, keep that in mind. <laughs> like our, I don't know, you know, the driveway, all those apple trees along it. 
next time you in you're in the daylight, it uh-huh. looks like that I have measured from the ground to an exact height <laughs> and pruned them perfectly <laughs> the whole like, length <laughs> of the driveway. It's huh. the exact height on all of them. And that's to the height that those goats can stand on their back legs and reach their neck up as high as they'll trim it. So that works out pretty they've good. Turned though, right? them, they've turned them perfect. Yeah. Which is nice if you're, you know, needing to, you know, well, I don't because I graze it, but if you had to mow under them or, yeah, or do under, anything, yeah. these things are just right to the perfect height to walk under and mow under because those goats have them pruned perfect. So they've come right in off the trailer and are just impressive. Impressive. That's good. I make sure that they're mm. they're older trees though, because <laughs> if they're young trees that are you're trying to get started, they'll zap them. <laughs> just, yep. You know we have a tree in our yard. It's like our best pine tree. It's just as nice. I'm not sure. I can't remember what breed it is, but porcupine came in and took a little bite out of it. Did you get 360? No, nope. oh. about mm, probably about 80 degrees around so far. So now every night we turn the light on and watch. Because one of these nights, it's going down. You're going to catch him. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, yeah, trees that you're trying to keep <sighs> keep going. Speaking, can I tell you a little thing about animals eating? Is this, mm-hmm. this going to be along one of your mm-hmm. pet stories? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're going to, this is going to be, a, a, this is going to be a segment. <laughs> I think that we need to get into specific sponsor <laughs> for. So Jackson, Jackson's complaints of people's interactions with their pants. We're going to get a segment, okay. whatever the name is, brought to you by Chewy. <laughs> that online <laughs> pet food. Or Dinovite or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So this one, I feel now like, okay, so, so in the previous ones have been more my personal, whatever, my observations and opinions, whatever. This one, this is starting to cross into like the, okay, society, you got to draw the line somewhere. Okay. Just draw. A line and and That's go with rich. it. Society draw a line. Yes. Where is that line right now with anything? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> Will you draw a line with something, <laughs> anything, anywhere? Yeah. Okay. So last night we had a we had a show. Uh, the band, our band, the Sightliners. We played down in Billings, and great show at a little place called the Windmill Bar in Fifty One, and good turnout. It was on this back patio. We're just a cool field, nice flow, beautiful evening. And uh, so we're, we're in the back there and we're setting up and there's probably room for, I would say 50 to 70 people, you know, on this patio between all the seats and the standing and whatnot. And so we're setting up our music or our equipment and band set up. I mean, it's like a two hour thing to set up hour to take down. You got to, you got to cart in all your equipment out of the trailer which is never next to where you're playing. So you got, you got big subwoofers. You got to bring in two subs. You got to bring in your main speakers that go on top of the subs. You've got your stage monitors. You've got your, you know, your containers full of all your mic cords and your microphones. And it's just, it's a lot, right? And you're always setting up well before the show. So it's hot out, but we're, we're rolling along. We're making good headway. And they open the venue. It doesn't open until like whatever, five o'clock, four thirty, and they open the venue. And some people start coming in, and you always feel a little weird because you're setting up sound, and they're kind of wanting you to start playing, but you're like, "Hey, we don't play for like another two hours, so you know you can hang and hang out out here, but you know we're not playing. When there's nothing going on till six or whatever, so we keep setting up, and and this couple walks in, and. They were middle-aged. They walk in and they've got a, they've got a dog with them to this 
it's a not, I mean, it's good food. It's like a nice, it's known for like, Hey, you want to go to the windmill and you want to go have a burger there. You want to go have a steak. They, it's really good menu. And they price accordingly, you know, you get what you pay for kind of a thing. So this couple comes in and they've got a dog and it's not like a lap dog type. This is like a dog, dog, right? Uh, like one of those, I don't even know what breed they're. They're like the hunting dogs that hunt for birds. You know what I'm talking about? They're not a lab, but this is the other kind of a pointer of some kind. Yeah, okay. yeah. So anyway, they bring the dog in. They sit down, and we're in this outdoor patio that's just right connected to this venue. And you know, the dog's there, and they order their food, and other people start coming in, and they have the dog on a leash, just kind of roaming around their table. And you know, the waitress comes in, and she's young enough. Of course, she's like, "Yeah, no, hey, cool dog." So we, we continue to set up. I'm just looking, thinking, man, this is kind of weird. Like, and I've, and it came to mind because I've noticed I'm starting to see stores and places of business as I'm on the road, starting to post signs on the door that say no pets inside service animals only like seeing eye dogs kind of thing. Right. Because I'm, you're starting to just see everywhere. It's just Dogs everywhere. You don't see cats. I don't see people <laughs> strolling their cats around. But anyway, uh, we continue on. And all of a sudden, here comes another couple with a dog, another big dog. And of course, the two dogs get together. And what do two straight, not strays, but two unfamiliar dogs always kind of, ah, you know. Oh, I thought you meant they started smelling each other's butts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did get to that eventually, <laughs> but they're kind of having a tiff. And of course the owner's like, whoa, boy. Ah, and there's other people trying this to This is eat. in the middle of the eating yeah. area. These yes. two dogs are, two bigger dogs are starting to. Yeah. Kind of causing, you know, it's nothing insane, but a little bit of a, you can tell the owners are kind of having to pull back and I'm like, what? <laughs> and then, and this is and another member of the wait staff comes out and they're like, oh, hey pup, you know, and pretty soon I start to think like, wait, are we playing for like. Saturday night, dog night on the patio thing. And so I go and I look at the venue, the list of what's going on, you know, like, here's what we have this month. And I'm like, no, it's just live music on the porch. It's not a, so we get set up and we begin to play. It's going great. It was a great show, but here comes another couple with another dog. So now in this fairly smallish, intimate patio, there are three big dogs all eating, uh, sitting about, you know, what people are trying to eat. And eventually one of them took a big old crap right on the cement, right in front of the stage. Oh, nice. Yeah. Got to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course the owners are like, oh, just, they just act like it's nothing. Like, oh, no big deal. And pull out their little glove thing, grab the poop, you know. And <laughs> I'm like, people are eating $100 steaks. And here's this dog taking the poop. Could you imagine as a whatever, as yourself, being at a place like this, trying to enjoy the night and a dog takes a big dump right next to your table? <laughs> I, I just, the only thing I'm thinking of is just that, that wind fresh off of it, you know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's if like, it, no matter if you're in a park or anything, the dog hits it close. You're like, oh, there's someone. Yeah, it's there. And you know, funny. It. so we're up playing and of course you're playing. You're using a lot of oxygen, right? I mean, you're, you're rocking and you're rolling and you're huffing and puffing. 
and just for about 30 minutes till that initial thing kind of goes away, just huffing dog manure. (laughs) (laughs) And now, and I'm trying to imagine for the people eating, if, if I was eating and someone's dog did that, I would, I would be like, Hey, I'm not paying for my food. This is, this is outrageous. This guy's dog just took a dump right next to my table. I'm trying to eat a hundred dollar steak. And so I got to thinking, is this me? Is this me and my strangeness with the animal thing? Or is this, is it, and I'm going to asking you now, is it actually, is it rude for people to bring their pets into a eating establishment and expect that it's a normal thing and that that's fine? I think it depends on the establishments. You have some places that are clearly vocal about being pet friendly. Uh-huh. So here... And, it, and it, I think this, I'm, I'm guessing this is a place like that is probably why they were there. So it's... But I'd never experienced it. I think if you go to a place that is known pet friendly, you have to have every expectation that that's what you're going to... Uh-huh. Which I would... In your shoes, I would just charge a little more for the fee you're charging to sing, <laughs> say, you know, or breathe. Having a sniff. Well, well, so here's the, here's here's my question for you on this: is okay. if you you become hyper vigilant mm-hmm. of people, because their dogs, right? Because it's everywhere. Okay, so everywhere. if it's everywhere, as a business owner, if it's everywhere, do you think you'd be better off catering to that? I'm I'm gonna say. I want to find, because this is like, they're only open a few hours a night. I'm going to stick with like, this is my little niche that we don't actually but, allow pets to sit on your lap while everyone's trying to eat. But don't doing it is the norm. It's becoming that way. So when you say niche, like the niche will be having the dogs, having it pet friendly. No, I mean, I feel like today now the niche is not being pet friendly. And so I would work that. It's like a backwards niche. See, this, I don't think so. You think most places don't want dogs well, eating in there? By what you said, you see signs everywhere now. Yeah. No pets. Yeah. So that's that. No pets is the norm to me. Okay. And I think that's how it always has been. They just need to make sure that people know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, and, uh, and uh, there's not, it's not like, hey, we are happy that, you know. But. So the pet friendly places, I think, are much rarer and always have been. Okay. But. You know, as you have, as you've been very aware of people think their pets are their kids. So maybe it is a smart business decision to cater to that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. And this was weird to me, but it, if, it was the first time it, and it wasn't, it wasn't young. It wasn't young people. This was like, there were some boomer age types. There was middle age. I mean, it was a broad spectrum of people and their pooping dogs. Yeah. That's the, that's the. That's the unfortunate downside is, is if you are pet friendly in any aspect, you're dealing with the defecation situation. Cause they all, they gotta go. And I just, it was for me, it was a little, it was just a little much. It was like, you know what? Can so, we just, can we just have a place so, somewhere? So we've had dogs. You've had them for, I mean, forever and ever. And they, we don't treat them like our kids, but we end up taking, have taken them a lot place. And I would tell you the most, the thing that, where I'm just like, no, is when you start seeing them circling. Because <laughs> you know they're looking. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm desperate to get into some clear space away from people. Um, but that makes me, th- I saw a funny, uh, a funny meme that said, uh, and I guess I don't know if you, you haven't had a lot of indoor dogs. No. But it, so anyone that's had indoor dogs probably knows this. Why can't they make an alarm 
that's the sound of a dog about to throw up because it gets you out of bed so fast. So fast. That, <laughs> that noise, that it's like this very unmistakable noise that you hear it and you're like instantly awake no, running. Go, go. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so hey, Swift Trucking Company. Mm-hmm. Are there any stereotypes about Swift Trucking? Yeah, yeah, there is. They're known for always wearing their seatbelt. Okay. <laughs> and the trucking hierarchy out on the road, where did they? They used to be the very bottom. Okay. They used to be the absolute flatline bottom of the barrel. So they are no longer. That, but that is the stereotype, right? Or the history of Swift. Do you know what has become now the? top of the food chain for truck drivers who's the best is not swift but swifty drivers oh oh yeah yeah totally what <laughs> I a, came up yeah, that all on my own good, tonight. That's, that's great that's really good <laughs> i meant to bring this up because it's it's a it's a, a few weeks old now but taylor swift's yeah tour, she's been on this big tour nationally for a while now and it's i think it's it's i think they're Saying it's grossed over a billion dollars. Could you imagine that? Oh, but, uh, music. but but like fifty semis haul the stage and everything set up. And I'm sure you and many listeners are aware. She gave all the drivers a hundred thousand dollar bonus. That's solid because that's their. That's a good like that's a great wage to start with for the whole year. So they were. I mean, they were. They're getting paid their their trucking salary and then. Hundred grand bonus on top. Yeah, good. Good for them. Good for Taylor. Good for her. You know, spread that around because they—that's like a good acknowledgement of they're the backbone of the tour, right? Like she gets to fly around between where she goes, and they get to drive. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's. I always felt that way a little bit with the NASCAR deal because you know after a long race, everyone's like, "Oh man," especially if it didn't go good. Man, we gotta go home, bomb, fly, and I'm just like. You, oh, you got to fly home. That's tough. That's tough. You know, when this Taylor Swift thing came out, I was teasing old highway trucker, Chris. I said, all this time, Chris, you and I have been driving for the wrong Taylor because <laughs> we drive for oh. Taylor Moyer, you know, the crew chief. <laughs> so, oh, he got a kick out of that. He goes, yeah, I guess so. But yeah, Swifties. Swift is no longer the bottom of the barrel. Have I mentioned this to you? Uh-uh. There's a new king of the bottom. And it is Amazon. They're the king of the bottom. Do they have a trucking fleet now? I thought they just, I assumed they subcontracted. So they do. They have their trailers, which you see the blue trailers with Prime, but they subcontract and they have so many loads and so much stuff moving. They need lots of trucks. And because they have so many loads, the loads get cheaper and cheaper. And it's kind of a race to the bottom. Mm. And so because of that, the quality of, this is me generalizing. There might be a few of you out there that are good operators pulling Swift or uh, <laughs> trailers, pulling Amazon trailers. And if you're a good operator pulling for Amazon, I applaud you for the other 99.5% of everyone that's experienced prime trailers out on the highway. It's, it's all these owner operators that are extremely, what's the word? Fly by night. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just. They're, how do you toe the line of just calling a spade a spade and what it is and trying not to be incorrect and whatever? It's 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 a lot of foreign, but lots of different nationalities. But it's almost completely all foreign, non USA drivers that have come over and come from a lot of third world countries and look at 
this opportunity of going, we can get a truck and we can pull these Amazon trailers for what we as in the regular industry would say is pretty bottom of the bottom garbage rates. Mm -hmm. But yet to them, because of maybe where they've come from, they look at this and go, Ooh, this is great. Let's do it. And they'll put, you know, a couple of them in a truck and from whatever country they're from all over the world. And they'll go and feel like they're doing really well when in reality you're like, guys, it, it can be so much better than this. But that's the nature of the I'd say they're probably tremendous drivers. Haven't you seen all those videos of those like those cliffs where it's like a <laughs> like right. it's, it's like a single <laughs> single donkey track yes. going and, and it's like a hundred hundred foot drop off on both sides. <laughs> And they're going around these <laughs> curves, like passing each other. <laughs> Some of those videos are unbelievable. Uh, they probably are AI generated. They probably are not probably, even true. Right? So know. yeah, anyway, that's the new king. Swift kind of somehow got lucky there and they're no longer, it's not really a thing anymore. It's not, look at the Swift guys. They're, they're, so now it's the Amazon guys, uh -huh. huh? Yeah, watch out. You see an Amazon trailer, look out for that Prime package. It's coming at you. Oh, So hey, I got a, couple things to to go over you i'm sorry not youtube but instagram questions mm. things that you probably uh you might want to touch on so this one i has got a couple days ago and this the person jake he asked if if you have ever heard of the sage truck driving school yeah he said he thinks it's based out of billings it is because he's in uh new staten pennsylvania and they're out there and he goes i think they're based out of billings Sage has moved out there. They've been around Montana forever. Yeah. As, um, as long as I can remember. Yeah. What do you know much about them? No, just they've been around for a long, long time. Being around for that long. I think there's a, there's a lot of fly again, fly by night. That's going to be the phrase of the episode. Some, some pretty sketchy trucking deals that kind of pop up in a parking lot of an old Kmart or something like that and put up some cones and do the deal. But Sage has been around for a long time and I, I can't, I'm just, this is all my assumptions based off them being around forever that, you know, they're legit. I'm going to, I'm going to, there's more to this. We're going to get into his question, but I'm going to interject something that I think about any schools that are in place to um, prepare you for licensure. Mm. I don't think they're preparing you for, and I'm basing this off of my educational experience, which uh, being a dentist, I have to have a professional license. And to get professional license, you have to take standardized tests of some mm -hmm. sort. Written, it was a CDL, you do written and a, an in-person one. Same with, with dentistry, you have multiple written tests, you do an in-person test. I absolutely think that these schools are set up completely to, to get you to pass a licensure test not to teach you how to drive in the real world, mm -hmm. how to, to teach you actually how to do anything. Yeah. I think they're completely designed to get you to pass a test. And then when you get in the real world, if you might be in for some surprises. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't know. If I, I think that's the best. And, way I'm to curious, say. and I'm curious with Sage, I may, and that could be. And, and, and I, and I, I don't blame them. And I think that's probably how these schools have to be and should be set up is because that you, you can't, actually learn how it works in the real world without getting a license. And so when you go to get an education, it, it, it is all geared towards, towards getting you that license. And then hopefully you are able to get into a situation where you can have 
have some guidance, mentorship, whatever you want to call it. But he, Jake here, he asks how Jackson went about getting his CDL. I said maybe he's already talked about it. He just recently started listening. And yeah, this is something that we have talked about, it, but it's, man, we're maybe close to a year ago, but you know. School of hard knocks, Jake. School of hard knocks. And so, (laughs) Jake, I'll let Jackson touch on this a little bit. And for people who've been longtime listeners, this will be a little bit of repeat. But I think Jackson will express this, that where we we live, and I think agricultural areas are going to be similar, where livestock has to be hauled and, and farm products, you know, grains, hay, whatnot, most all of this stuff is hauled in big trucks. So a lot of a lot of drivers from from our neck of the woods, so to speak, or in, in similar agricultural rural areas, uh, very few of them go to a, a truck driving school because they grow up on farms, ranches, working for farmers and ranchers, where they're put into these trucks at a young age, and they're driving around farms. Did Did you know this has just recently changed? This whole thing just got blown up. In fact. Well, we haven't talked about it because it's just come up in Montana again. This whole structure of like, for me, working on, you know, around trucks forever, being with dad, trucking with dad, you know, starting by steering the semi around to the fuel island to, you know, him letting me shift a few gears or him putting his hand over my hand to feel how the shift works and progressing that way. They've, uh, oh man, unelected rulemakers in Washington, D.C., have created a new rule that doesn't allow for this anymore. You can no longer learn on your own, on a farm, on a ranch, with a mentor, go in and take your test based on your own private experience. They're throwing that out and they're making it now so that you have to have a certain number of Credits from an uh, credits from an accredited truck driving school. Regardless, Jeez. this and, and we should probably I, okay. I'm so you can put it at that. We, we you can have you got to read 15, up on it. You can have 15 years of driving experience. Go to get your CDL. And when you go to get your CDL, if you don't have credits from a truck driving school, mm-hmm. no matter no matter right. This is what drives me crazy is because it, again it goes back to my my premise that. Schools are designed to get you to pass the test. Mm -hmm. That's what they teach you is how to pass the licensure test. Yep. So if you can go in and you can pass the licensure test without going to school, what it, 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 it it, it blows my mind. So, okay. (laughs) So check this out. So this was this past year, the feds came down, the FMCSA said to all the States, this is the new deal. You have to, have, people have to go through an accredited trucking school to get their CDA. You have to have so many. And then they said, we'll kind of leave that up to you to kind of tailor your program, but that's the deal. And every single state, 49 states said, okay. And guess what state said? That's not cool. Montana. Hmm. Only state of all. So this rule went into effect last year and Montana said, we're not doing it. We're not dealing with it. For the, for the reasons that we just mentioned. And our governor, who this is, this will blow your mind even more. He's a conservative. He's a Republican governor. Greg Gianforte is now starting to buckle and cave 
because the feds came in and said, if you guys don't start getting in line with this mandatory trucking school deal, we're going to start removing funding, highway funding from your state. We're going to withhold funds. Isn't that like a, isn't that like a quid pro something or another they talk about in the news? So we're going to withhold highway funds. It's going to be this amount in 2023 and it's going to be this amount in 2024. And then they said, following that, if you continue not to obey, we're not going to recognize Montana CDL holders nationwide. Mm. That's what they said. So, so our governor, instead of going, oh yeah, you want to play that game? Well, maybe we'll shut off our state borders to interstate commerce. See how all the other states feel about that. Like stand up for yourself, man. So he, he instead comes out and, and all the thing that's been pushing this is it's a, it's a bunch of country, rural, state lawmakers saying, we're not doing this. We're not, we're not funding this. We're not, we're not going to make this happen for the reasons you mentioned. And he now, our Republican governor is getting after these Republican rural state Congress people saying, you guys need to get together. And, you know, this is going to make trucking more, you know, blah, 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 all the talking points of why they should do it. And so far they're holding out. They held out, sorry, let me rephrase. They held out until recently. And I only know this because I have a friend that I've been helping to get her CDL. She's been at the ranch practicing. And she showed me a letter from the state of Montana that says after November, I think it was 12th, you will have to <laughs> show credit credentials from a school saying that you've gone through the course. So Montana somehow is now caving to this. Hmm. I wonder if we can, I wonder if I can get our, our local representatives on here to talk about we that. Should. I, I'll show you after we're done. It's something, let's research it a little bit and we, we can come back to it in uh, next week's episode. But you know what I, the, I'm the people who push this, this is what I would, this is what I would like that they had to do before they push this. Go find one of the craziest, most tortuous mountain roads <laughs> and get, get a farm driver who's been driving on the farm their whole life home cattle on the, <laughs> and then get someone who's passed an accredited school and have, have the person who's pushing this, get in the truck with both of them and go down the mountain with both of them. <laughs> see how important. That's, see, that's so common sense. <sighs> and this is again, it's, it's rules being pushed by people that are just appointed. They're not, no one elected these people. Again, it, they have nothing to do with the trucking industry. They don't know a thing about it. They just got appointed and put into this office. If you feel that this is so important, up the standards of the test. Yeah. Up the standards of the test. If you don't think people can't pass it, if they haven't gone to an accredited school, or I, I mean. Yeah. yeah, but they don't want to make it harder because there's a truck driver shortage and we need drivers. <laughs> Clearly, you're, there's got to be some lobby from truck driving schools or something that, that's been involved. Oh, and it's, there's a huge... I'm sure they, and I haven't researched, so I'm just speculating, but there's a big an association called the ATA and they're these big mega carriers and yeah, they, I'm sure they're, they're all for it. Anyway, Jake, back to thanks. Jake's question. Yeah. Uh, Jake, un, un, does Jake have a CDL? No, he's just about to start school. Okay. So Jake, you're doing the right thing, doing I guess the right now. Thing. The thing you have to do. Yeah. Anyone that wanted to come out to the wild west of Montana, this was the last, you have till November 12th to come out and get your CDL here. Learn from a learn from a mentor like 
And think about who's probably teaching truck driving schools. Like good old seasoned veterans. <laughs> think about who teaches in any aspects. Right. Yeah. Who's, who teaches at colleges? Who teaches who's anywhere? Teaching these people who can't do it in the real world. <laughs> so, okay. So Jake, you're going to trucking school. That's how you're going to get your CDL. Your question was, how did I get mine? Right? Yeah. That was the root of his question. So yeah. I got mine in what I feel like is the best way to, to get that. The school of hard knocks. The school of hard knocks. Maybe we should create a truck driving school, get credentialed, and then call it hard knocks and just teach it the way it's <laughs> supposed to be taught. Anyway, Jake, I, I spent all my time trucking with my dad since I was a little guy. And always, you know, when I was little, little dad would let you sit on his lap and you'd get to you know sit there with the steering wheel and always love that. But as I got older, I would start driving around in the yard. We would get the, get the livestock loaded. He's like, hey, you want to bring the truck around behind the shop? So I do that all in first gear. After you know a couple months, I learned how to shift into second gear and figure it out. And I was always quizzing dad. But dad, dad put me in the seat after a while. Time I was in eighth grade, he put me in and said, you know, let's go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the way, teach you the way. And, and the dad, dad taught me essentially. And I went on in high school and got a job working for uh, old Billy Jack on the barley farm. And we would, I'd have to drive truck out in the field, picking up bales. They'd load me with the tractor. And so you get a lot more shifting and, and getting in and out of tight spaces at slow speeds, pulling in and out of these fields. Uh, and we were pulling trains, which was a 40 foot lead trailer with a 30 foot pup trailer. So it was, I mean, it was big stuff, big loads. And so I did more and more of that. And as I did more of that, got more experience with dad. And the day that I turned 18, I had an appointment scheduled with the CDL examiner and went in and did my tests and, and passed and got my credentials <laughs> to be official. So in a, in a short nutshell, that's, that's how I ended up getting mine. And it was, it was great because I, I learned from someone who had at that time two and a half million miles of, of experience, which was Rooster, my dad. And the old ways that those old guys teach are the right ways. And so here we are. All right. Got another one from Wade Black up in Alberta. Oh yeah. And Wade, I think this question, we have, we have, we've talked about this a little bit, not directly, but, but in some stories we've told in, in previous episodes, but he's a young aspiring grain farmer, trucker. And he'd, um, he's in the process of trying, of, of beginning the farm transition process. Meaning I, th I think he's saying farming to, to trucking and he's like to do, do things seasonally. So he's interested to hear how you balance farm, trucking business, family, personal time. Billy Jack, for instance, if you go back and listen to, uh, the episode where we had Rooster and Billy Jack on, he talked about they had a farm wasn't doing well because of, of, of political climate yeah, in the eighties. That was when everybody went bankrupt, but he, they'd farm. And then when he wasn't farming, he started hauling livestock with, with our dad. Let's see, we did that, that live episode at the, the truck show and, and you're the kid that drives with you from, um, from big Sandy. He farms, mm -hmm. doesn't he? Keith does. Yeah. Yeah. Keith farms. And then in the off season hauls livestock. So if you're a farmer, trucking can be a, the salvation of your farm in the off <laughs> yeah. season, or it can, you know, be a really nice little bonus. Yeah. But why didn't you touch on that? So, okay. So for the balance, uh, that was a good lead in for the balance. 
I'll be honest. There's not a the, person, not a personal life balance. Very there's much. not. No, there's not. And here's what you have to do. You have to sit down. I am assuming probably has a young family in my case or in your case, you need to sit down with those involved. If you have a young family, if you have a wife, you got to sit down and go, okay, we want what? Ultimately, we want this farm to work. We want this ranch to work. It's not, it's not, the, it's not a size that allows it to create a living. So we need to, to truck to make some alternative income to basically to subsidize your own operation with your own operation, right? And you have to, you have to look at that and say, there's not a balance. It is, if, if you want this farm, you want a place for you and your family at some point to be your, your place, you're, you're going to get in and you're just going to have to truck your guts out. Um, if you get in and you just lightly truck, you're not going to make enough money to, for it to, to be worthwhile, essentially. Um, it, it's just hard. So it, my best advice is to set, to make a plan and set a time frame. Um, I did this with my wife and I said, basically we have this five-year plan where at the time my kids were young enough that I didn't feel like they were going to suffer as much from me being gone. So we said, we got five years. And at the end of five years, you know, my oldest kids are going to be getting into that junior high age where I felt like they need a little more of a strong hand at home and some more uh, good male guidance. So we made a deal and essentially it was our lives are going to suck and there's not going to be a balance and it's going to be really hard on our relationship and it's going to be really hard on our lives individually and collectively. And we pushed through and we are just coming out of that five-year cycle right now. But what I would caution you and all truckers against is do not you're going to get so used to this hammer time and you're going to see what it's doing for your life. You're, you're going to want to just keep doing it and doing it. You have to honor your limit and honor your plan that, you know, when you get to the end of that, if you, if you don't stop and you don't step back and evaluate, you'll lose everything around you with your personal life. And there's so, so, so many divorced truckers out there basically because they were just gone too much and you know they have a spouse that's like well what am i doing he has no plan for getting off the road and i'm here letting my whole life slip away with you know nobody around me no companionship and so it's very understandable uh that that things go south so my advice for you is remember that there's not a magical balance but at the end of a certain period of time there there has to be don't just let it be open-ended. Does this make sense to you listening, Luke? I mean, does it, you see where I'm kind of heading with this, that it, you got to have a goal. You got to stick to your, your goals and be willing to, to come off the road when the time comes to slow down. Not necessarily come off the road, but to slow down and, and have some moderation. Yeah, I think what I'm really taking away from this is that you sit down, you kind of, you know, with your significant other, set your goals, Probably get it in writing, maybe signatures on it. So when <laughs> get a couple of years down the road, when your significant others really complain about it, you can pull that out and say, hey, look, I warned you beforehand and you signed it. <laughs> you signed it. That'll <laughs> go that both ways. Tra- yeah, 100%. <laughs> or, or when she needs, when you're, you know, you're out on the road and you're, you're tired and you said, I don't need to do this anymore. She can say, look, honey, because really she wants the, you know, the new car or something. 
No, <laughs> I'm kidding about so, all that. I, I understand what you're saying. Because I mean, you, you get to the end of it. If, if you get to the end of your, your goal period, whatever, you, you get to the end, you get the farm, it's paid off. You got this land, you got the ranch, whatever it is. And you have nobody around you anymore. What's really the point of it? Great. I got this, I got this farm now and I'm an old single farmer with no family around me. Well, personally, I would look at myself and go, well, that I just really screwed things up and, and now I'm a lonely little bachelor, you know? So just, just be wary, but be realistic that there is no balance. There's really not. All right. Last, uh, last question. This will be quick. Cause I know we've touched on this before, so you can just hit it real quick. And we get this one a lot. Mm. Which makes me think people who write it aren't listening to our past episodes. I always wonder that when, yeah, when they ask a question that you just answered. <laughs> and so you're like, do you even listen, bro? No, <laughs> no I know it can eat something. I don't listen. All the podcasts I listen to, I don't get every episode in. Yeah, right. How did you get started driving a NASCAR truck? Ooh. Said, it doesn't look like you drive every week and do you just team up for long hauls? So I know you can bang those out pretty quick. Yeah. So that's probably the most asked question of the NASCAR thing is everyone's like, I would love to do this. It looks like a blast. I'll be honest. It's not a blast. It, it looks like a blast probably on YouTube. Of course we make it, it is fun, but it's hard fun. There's easy fun and hard fun and it is hard fun. The, the old NASCAR guys all, all joke. I, can't, I don't know if I mentioned this on here, but they joke and say, because yeah, people always come up and say, hey, how do I get that job? Hand them the keys. And yeah, they said they were. I think you said that them, last trucker's friend episode. We handed them the keys and, and you know, I've been stuck with it ever since. But the, how I got the job personally, Taylor Moyer, our crew chief of the number eight car for JRM, was a personal friend. And I had mentioned it would be fun to come out and shoot a, a YouTube episode, <laughs> essentially highlighting behind the scenes of the NASCAR trucking. And Taylor is all in on all things Taylor. And he, he went all the way and was like, Hey, I can, we can do this, but it's going to be like, we need you on all these long hauls and it's going to be the full season long. And so that, that's how I got in. As far as if you're an outsider trying to get in the office, people always act like it's really hard to find good backup drivers. I would tell you, you've got to live, you've got to live within reason to, of Charlotte within a, couple hours of Charlotte, North Carolina, which eliminates like 90% of everybody probably or more. I had kind of a deal worked out where they, they would fly me in because I was, you know, doing some video stuff and some social media things. And, and I am one of the best truck drivers in the United States. So they were happy to fly me out. <laughs> but anyway, and that's coming from Chris. That's not coming from me. Chris says you know, I'm, I got I'm a, the best. Something else I'm wondering is they've got their full-time drivers who are pretty been with them consistent then you're brought in as a team driver for just the, the long hauls right so if you want to get into nascar i imagine you probably gotta be a little bit willing to take a back seat and shut your mouth mm -hmm. with these guys who yeah. are the the whatever they say and that's me with chris i mean i and chris would tell you I come in and I'm like, hey, what, do you need me to do anything? Do you need me to, 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 to clean the bottoms of your shoes off, you know, before you go in the sleep or whatever? I'm here for you. I, you're, you're my boss. And, and I've never had a boss to speak of in, in many years, you know, trucking. So that's, that's the deal. And you got to be able to be in a spot where you're going to go out and make zero dollars because they only need you for a handful of trips. And you're not going to go from nobody to primary driver. 
You're going to go as a backup. You're going to do things here and there. So you have to have a schedule that allows you to just vanish from whatever your full-time living is and, and go on the road for a week and, you know, get a $1,200 check for it or whatever at the, at the end. So it's hard to find that. And typically they look to the retired pool of people for that, but you, you don't go from retired old timer to full-time NASCAR guy. So it's really an interesting spot because you're a young guy that wants to get into it. Well, you're going to start as a backup driver. You have to have a good, stable, full-time job at home that makes your living, but still be able to just vanish sometimes for two, two, two and a half weeks in a row and, and get the experience as the backup so you can get your foot in the door to become a primary eventually. So it's, a, it's an interesting little spot, but everyone is, you get comments like, oh, I would love that. How do I get in? How do I get in? It's like, well, first of all, where do you live? Mm. Second of all, can you, you know, can you make a living without making a living? So, all right. Well, that's it for tonight, man. We all wrapped up, huh? We're wrapped up. You got to get on the road. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>